Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's called Mad Sounds. One goes out to Mr. Alan Smile. Tranquility-based Hotel and Casino is the sixth studio album by Arctic Monkeys. It was written entirely by Alex Turner on his upright piano in his Los Angeles home. As Pitchfork put it, the album swapped his usual witty sleaze for absurdist suave. Yet it isn't universally accepted, although it is certainly much acclaimed. It is often described as a divisive album. There are few catchy hooks or melodic runs. And it is also very much regarded as Alex Turner's project, with the rest of the band seeming more peripheral than previous albums. Joining me again today, as per the Humbug podcast, which I recommend you all check out, we have Jacob Stolworthy. He's a journalist from The Independent. We also have KTHF joining us from across the pond. We have Stephen Pryor, who's a regular contributor to this podcast, and of course, my Mad Sounds co-host, Will Sparks. Welcome along, guys. Right, let's get in. Let's take ourselves back to the scene of 2018. It had been nearly five years since the band's fifth album, AM. We were thirsty for anything. What were people expecting from this album? Five years for an Arctic Monkeys fan is so long to wait. So I guess around well, it would have been 2015, whilst we're all expecting something. We had to wait until 2018 to get it. Um, and to be honest, I didn't know what I was, what to expect at all. I, it felt like they explored everything. And of course, they haven't explored everything until you actually hear the new album. You think, well, I wasn't expecting that. Um, so I wasn't, I was expecting something amazing, which I re- le- later learned on that it is. I didn't really necessarily feel like that at the start, but I don't know what I was expecting exactly, but I was anticipating it so much and especially not knowing when it was going to come. Well, the following answer is something special because I think at this, at this rate, we're, we're all here because we know that when you kind of away to Night Tonight's album, we are going to enjoy it, but we know it's going to be something, if not good, then something interesting, something that, you know, sparks conversation. And I think for six months before the album came, your mind would drift towards what, what they could possibly do next. And I guess the only answer I would have given if someone had asked me what I thought then was something pretty unique. And that is what we got. I think that it's crazy when you look back and think about it being a five-year gap. You can fit in, what, four albums in their previous discography in the five years before, which is insane. But having said that, I think 
as all massive fans as we are, you kind of think of like the Turner lineage, I think, don't you? And he, so even though you had the five-year gap, when you actually think about what was happening in between that time, you probably also still uh, build some expectations from that. And I think the most obvious, and I'm sure we'll touch upon, is, is The Last Shadow Puppets. Obviously, it was in 2016, the second album. And in fairness, I think, you know, we've said many times on previous podcasts about you know, Arctic Monkey's work typically follows what came before or certainly the, the seeds were sown at that point. And I think if you listen to everything you've come to expect, it's the closest thing to Tranquility Base. I, I read that Alex actually said that the last track that he wrote on that album was the track, Everything You've Come to Expect, which was this kind of psychedelic pop track. And he actually wrote that at the same time that he wrote Star Treatment on Tranquility Base. And I think you almost see that passing of the baton. So even though the five-year period feels insane i think it's probably a retrospectively seems more dramatic than it was but at the time you still had those um other kind of turner influences that probably carried the the theme a little bit as well katie i'm intrigued to hear what your answer to this question is because obviously you only discovered arctic monkeys um in a post am world right you know that was when you came to them so you know you kind of had this thing where you got to swallow all the albums and consume them all and maybe the gap didn't feel quite as long to you or or maybe you were like really annoyed that you had to wait <laughs> for, for them to release music while you were like actually a fan. Well, um, I mean, a little bit, but what was interesting, I mean, by the time, you know, AM was over, I got really into the Last Shadow Puppets record. Kind of to this day, it's maybe my favorite Alex Turner, pro- Alex Turner project, Everything Come to Expect. And so I feel like that kind of like fulfilled a little bit of that craving, yeah. but then there was after 2016, you know, 2017 was nothing, like literally radio silence from uh, from the guys. So, but kind of like what Steve was saying, you know, I was following Alex a lot, just kind of his daily, you know, just over the internet, seeing what he was up to. And it really seemed like he was taking this turn into this kind of like, you know, alternative, like very kind of post AM, uh, lounge singery vibe that was already starting to happen with everything come to expect in the Shadow Puppets tour. So um, it was very weird, and I thought maybe it would go more back towards a typical kind of like guitar heavy rock sound. So I didn't really know. I was just kind of like, I figured it would kind of be like maybe AM plus Shadow Puppets, you know, combined, which is kind of what we got. But um, yeah, it was very interesting to, to follow that progression for sure. Yeah. Uh, and I think I would agree. I, I was kind of expecting like a, a bit of a mixture of, of the last shadow puppets, but also knowing that the rest of the band would be back involved, maybe was was ho- hoping for a, a kind of bigger rock sound as well at the time. You know, we'll, we'll come to talk about what what we all think of how it, the project did go. What were people's first interactions with the era of this album? Because I remember they released this little teaser clip it was this teaser video of four or out of five and it just had this like accompaniment graphic thing going with it and you kind of just had the intro which i think maybe is a bit was a bit deceitful in terms of what you get on the rest of the album because it doesn't necessarily sound it doesn't really encapsulate the whole album it's kind of like that real gritty guitar-y like riff and you're like yeah this is like this is kind of a little bit ame maybe a bit darker maybe towards like a humbug, which we, you know, we all love. But that teaser was actually, it wasn't that accurate and close to what the album then we then got. So what, what, what did people think when they first heard that too? I would agree exactly. I actually uh, I wrote deceiving was like the word that I would have used for it. I think that 
as soon as that came out, I remember there was a lot of comparisons with like, do I want to know as well? Because it was the big riff. With it was like, way, here we yeah. go, we're back. And it's not a reflection at all of what follows. And you wonder if like to some extent they wanted to kind of transition people and kind of keep the interest and like protect that original fan base, maybe. Um, but obviously the, the album promo was kind of famously low key. They wanted to just drop the whole record, no pre-singles. So that was all we really had to go by, wasn't it? And it, it, I must say, it feels like a, it, it was a bit of a strange choice on reflection. You know, it was interesting is around that time, I was really, I kind of like got into like the internet culture of the Arctic Monkeys, like the subreddit for them, for example. <laughs> And there was like all of this anticipation following up to that release of just that one little trailer where everyone was speculating on every, like anything that came out, you know, first it was like, oh, they're actually doing stuff. Oh, they're recording here. Everyone was getting so excited. Everyone was like trying to guess what the album titles would be. Like, I remember they put out yeah. this thing that said like information over it and everyone was like, information is going to be the album <laughs> title name. And then I remember waking up one day and, you know, obviously being on the West Coast is a little later for me and seeing tranquility base hotel and casino <laughs> and it's like no one would have guessed that in a million years like it's just it was so just kind of like mind-blowing how far away it was from what everyone was guessing it was going to be you know with with the little teaser they dropped for four out of five i think steve's right i think they wanted to bring people over slowly i think if you dropped a, a science fiction or a bat phone a they're not very typically singly high tempo tracks you want to drop something that's high tempo and keeps people even for a short video because if you did drop one of those shorter tracks i think it would put people off it before they even dropped um and i think steve was steve was saying as well there was there were no sort of pre-singles or anticipation when you look through the album it's hard to see which ones they would have dropped as singles because i don't think any of them are that sing they're not singly at all and that's what i love about the album I, i can't think the only two i can think of one is four out of five and the second is maybe one point perspective, maybe past the single. But say, for example, they drop Batphone or the world's first monster truck front flip as singles or something like that. Everyone would be going out. I don't, I'm not sure if I want to buy this album. And maybe that's a good marketing ploy because for people to actually get stuck into the album, I know we're in an age of streaming, but they, they were going and buying it with with the view to with the view of mystery not the already not the view they already had oh these three singles are out there a bit now so i think it's actually quite smart marketing from the band but but that little teaser when it came out got me so hyped like i was yeah. just just because a just because it was anything arts and monkeys but b it did sound quite quite i don't know similar to to the vibe am had yeah well, I guess in hindsight, it's funny that it, because because you're right that like there wasn't a lot of press, and you can just tell listening to the album that Alex kind of was like, oh, "Do I have to promote to promote this?" Like people are going to listen to it, and they'll either like it or they don't, and that's that's that. But I reckon my my introduction to the era was that 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 clip you're talking about, and before the the riff, it had the kind of like the the the, the backing bit that happens. Uh, uh, over the last few minutes of the song but without everything else it was just just like really like pleasant kind of like sounded like a piano i think and and then it and then the riff came and it sounded like um sounded like a dion song like and and obviously alex loves dion uh because of you know the cover the the cover he did of only you know it was like oh shit are we gonna get like we're gonna get some ballads we're gonna get we're gonna get some like like uh like you know rockier songs and i thought it was gonna be something more akin to suck it and see actually um after hearing that which I would have been half, completely happy with. Um, but then I remember reading, they did a big um, interview with Q, I think was the main one. And that was like, you know, that it went in kind of into specifics of their time in the studio and stuff. And it was after reading that and I was like, 
do you know what people some people aren't gonna like this i've got a feeling <laughs> that this is gonna be yeah cat among the pigeons that, as it that, yeah i think i remember that sort of feeling leaking a little bit and people mm-hmm. starting to think that this is a bit different this is actually way more different than than we we thought it might be because there was always rumors of what does this album sound like and it was like i think the strong one i think with our within our friends was t- it's going to be like cross between a tame impala he's like he's become friends with kevin parker we're going to get a tame impala album yeah. coming up that was the big rumor and it's nothing like that at all is it? So, yeah yeah and so let's let's just quickly discuss then the very first listen that you had because that might be quite vastly different even to the second, third, fourth, fifth listen. But the very first, because I can imagine that people here listen to it like upon its release. Um, I know that I was having a, a listening party with about, you know, seven or eight people. And most people in the room were just absolutely in, in shocked silence. <laughs> and, you know, wow. even the biggest Arts Monkeys fans in the room, which we all were obviously massive, we couldn't like stomach, like, we couldn't even just like pretend to be um, really enthusiastic about what we just heard because we were just, we were, we felt almost a bit flat because it, well, on the first listen, it's really hard to, to feel that, that you love it and you don't know what it's going to become. I, the first listen, I just remember being a, a bit upset. I was there for the, you know, the midnight release of it and um, I was going on holiday the next day. So it was going to be like my swimming pool music for the next week and everything yeah. like that. Um, and I, I think that first listen, I, I think your first listen is always based upon your level of anticipation. And the, the sort of music I get into is I, I, love, I love stumbling across things and just having no real basically not having my guard up on any albums because those are the ones but with this one it's like going in as a middleweight boxer with your guard completely up basically aware of everything that they can chuck at you and mm. still they seem to keep jabbing you with this this i don't know this mystery and the first song hit and it's just because it's so slow and that level of anticipation you've got i was just i remember being really really disappointed for the for the first whole listen because it wasn't my arctic monkeys it wasn't the arctic monkeys that i consumed and been so passionate about yeah and when star treatment came on when when, the, when you listen to a track like that for the first time you're not you're not looking to analyze it you're not looking to do anything like that you're just looking to be like wowed and blown over by something and it didn't blow me over that's the problem my level of anticipation didn't match what i was listening to and i think it's as simple as that I would say I was a bit confused, but I think that have, obviously having followed them for as long as we all have and been so passionate, I think you also have a bit of faith as well. So I remember kind of listening to it and feeling flat because of all the reasons that Will just mentioned, but also kind of feeling like you, I know I need to give it time. And like this is someone with such a prolific record of writing amazing tracks and hooks that like it will be there. I just need to kind of get to it. Um, so I kind of wanted to remain level-headed, but it would be fair to say that it was a strange feeling. It was a particularly weird experience for me because I think that also, you know, some albums definitely have a, a time and a place that is more appropriate. Um, and I was in Asia at the time and I woke up on release time, which was 7 a.m. and it was like red hot. And it's just not like a red hot 7 a.m. kind of album, is it either? And I remember being <laughs> sat there thinking, this is a really strange experience. And I kind of craved being at home with yeah. you where you were saying it was like midnight and at least you were probably all in a dark room together. Yeah. And I was there in like, that. That's key, tro- is it? Turn the lights out. <laughs> yeah, I was in this like tropical environment thinking this is a <laughs> weird like combination of senses going on right now. So 
that was a bit strange for me. Yeah, mine kind of mimicked your guys's a little bit. I think I, I actually got a leak of it a few days before the release. Oh, there was that leak going around, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which was kind of weird because because of the leak, you have to like listen to each one like one at a time. It doesn't flow into it. So like there was right. a little bit of disjointedness there. Um, I remember I like lay down. I don't have a bunch of friends into the Arctic Monkeys in the States like you guys do. So I'm very jealous <laughs> of that. But so I was just like, I lay down, I put on my good headphones, smoked a little bit of a joint. It's legal here. Okay. Um, <laughs> and was like, all right, I'm ready for this. You know, it's like high anticipation, just like so, so stoked. And um, yeah, kind of the same thing. I really, I, I think my first impression was that I like, I really wanted more guitars. Like one thing I love about Arctic Monkeys is they're a guitar band, you know, and that's like, Something yeah. that in the last several years has like kind of started to just not be that compelling anymore. Just you don't see it as much. So I'll kind of move towards different styles of music. And I was just kind of like, what is all this like piano and it, the the lyricism, which I now love and adore. It, it just seemed really jumbled. I remember feeling like he was just throwing out tons and tons of words. And on that first listen, I was just like, what is he talking about? It's just like, <laughs> it's like he's just trying to pull out every metaphor he could think of and just like kind of put them all together um so yeah i remember feeling like really disappointed just kind of yeah confused and like i know that i I, like i trust alex turner but i wasn't quite there and i wasn't like it didn't hit with me as much as like their other stuff did yeah i am what i'm about to say now is gonna even sound like a a loser or a wanker but basically (laughs) i just like i just love being challenged and i love like if i don't like something initially from someone that I do like and this this is for film music tv everything I'm just like oh yes I just love that kind of reason to have a reason to like go back and listen to it and 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 not instantly like it I I, I kind of like that because I I very much like if someone if like someone I really respect releases something my go-to is to love it and with Tranquility Base I god bless Domino they sent me a stream on the Monday and I was like okay because I've been badgering them like all ever since they announced the album yeah and i got home and i said to uh, my girlfriend cancel your plans we are going to be listening to this in a dark room yeah um, <laughs> i know that feeling that's what we're going to do so we got i got home and then she was like right okay let's listen i was like whoa 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 no 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 and i had to like psych myself up all evening <laughs> nine she was like right can we just listen to this fucking album and then i done and um like you all said, like it was initially like, oh, okay, okay, um, okay, let's go with it. And as it was going on, I was like, yeah, do you know what? Like, obviously, I'm gonna like this eventually because I'm gonna give it the time it, it needs. Um, but right now, I do not know what is going on. Like, I never was, I never, I didn't, wasn't disappointed. I was like, kind of invigorated. <laughs> it sounds like such a wankery thing to say. Yeah. But I, was like, I was like, yeah, well, he's making us work for this, and this is great because I just think the true mark of like. A, a, a real genius or someone who just kind of like is so in control of their talent is someone who is going to make something and they're not they're not pandering to you they're not they're just making you they're doing what they want and they're like yeah if you want to come along come along but you know it's in your hands and i don't want to like, like bring it into film but i recently the christopher nolan film tenet i don't yeah. know if anyone's seen it but i watched I... it and the first time i saw it i was like no idea but do you know what great and i felt it was like my duty to see it again to to, to kind of so I could like get it. And then if people who didn't like it, I could kind of be a bit of a disciple for it and go, no, 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 let me try and help you out here. Which sounds again, like a, like a losing thing to say, but I think <laughs> if you like these people, it's kind of your, your job to kind of unlock yeah. them. 
the mystery. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, you probably feel that duty certainly more so, Jacob, being uh, a journalist as well. But I, yeah. I also agree as fans that we definitely um, would have felt similar things, that we knew that we had to like it because otherwise, what do we have left? Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I, I do have a friend that found that she didn't like the album initially and it, she was like gay if she like spoke to me in the lift at work like a week later or maybe even a couple of weeks later and she was just like yeah i'm I'm, I'm just quite down like i just i'm not sure i like this album like genuinely was affected by the fact that she didn't like it but I've, i'm i'm glad to say that she actually now um does like the album so it it took it took her even longer but you know there is the, there is the funny thing as well like in the aftermath as a massive fan, like that you articulated so well, Jacob, then you see the backlash and then there's also, there's that automatic like shielding moment of, okay, let's just take the album out. I'm just going to stand by him right now because like the bandwagon was so strong at that point to be, Oh, it's not very good. And you just like, at that point, like your kind of fandom, I guess, becomes kind of challenged a bit because then you're just, just, I, would, I remember it felt it was, like a yeah. A it was war. like a war on all of us. <laughs> totally. on, the, um, on the Friday it was released, and obviously I'd been listening to it all week because I was fortunate enough to have that stream. So I'd kind of like had that that teething period. I'd, yeah. It kind of like, what everyone was going through. I'd kind of like had it that week and weathered it a bit. And there were some guys who were at this pub in in Highbury, and they were like, um, I was at the bar talking to my friend, and they were like, Oh, do you love the album? Then I was like, Oh, I love it. It's brand. They're like, You talking about the new Arctic album? I was like, yeah, they're like, what, what shit that is? And I was like, no, it's not great. You're a fucking idiot. I was like, what? You can't call me that for liking the album. Yeah, it's like that scene in Extras, like your sitcom shit, mate. Yeah, your album shit, mate. It's just like, you just, we rushed to the defense. Just like, I, I did the same at work. I played the album through on the day that it came out and I'd had a couple of listens to this point, but I still thought, no, I'm going to put it on because obviously I'm the, the office fan and people were, were fine with that. But then just everyone's face. And I just felt myself shrinking as the album went on. Like there's nothing good. I can't, yeah. but I, I can't even skip to us. At this point, I, I wasn't even confident enough to just put four out of five on and go, yeah, no, do you not think that's great? I mean, it was, yeah, it did take a few listens. I think, um, Jacob, I think Jacob hit the nail on the head. You, you immediately leap to the defense if it's your favorite band. It's like, it's yeah. just like no, nothing bad can be said. Only you're allowed to say something bad about your band, right. your football team, or whatever it is. But once yeah. someone from the outside comes and says something, you're not having it. So, uh, with, when, when, like, when the first listen happened, I was, when, and when, the, when I, sorry, when I first listened to it, and at the end, my first thought wasn't, well, that's pretty disappointing. My, my first thought was, well, I've got to go back. I've got to go and find something that I like on the album. Yeah. And then instead of going in order, I went, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to that track, maybe number eight, actually yeah. go to number six. And I'm going to go, I'm going to find the track I like and sort of build the blocks so, up like that. That of... is so interesting. What was your, what was your songs then? What was the ones you went to first? Where, where did you go? Where's the one now? I've got to listen to that first. We'll just put that on and repeat. Uh, t- the title track, Tranquility Base, Hollywood Telling Casino. Yeah. I absolutely, I mean, obviously, we're going to do the track by track in a bit, but that song, I think it's got the kind of not making a pun, but the sort of tranquil beginning, and it's got a very, it's got a really good bass line as well. Um, and it, it 
sort of struck me as one of the more coherent ones on the lyrics front, even though it's still pretty. Uh, I mean, Jesus in the Day Spa is the opening lyric off the top of my head. I mean, that's still pretty jumbled. Like Katie was saying, yeah. jumbled, jumbled is the perfect word for some of these songs when you first listen to them. Because, <laughs> Alex uh, had a word bingo. Like. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, for, for someone who's struck you with such amazing writing before, I mean, it is amazing writing just in a different sense. But Jacob was saying he got a leak of it. I got a, I didn't get a leak of it, but I, I was. Um, I no, was Jacob got the actual. The the official the, the official <laughs> record stream. I, I went one worse, I think, and I got um I was at an event and I was um with a gig photographer who had somehow got his hands on not the music but the lyrics, just just the stock lyrics <laughs> in text. And I was like, I go, what what's like? And yeah, I was I didn't really have time to go into it properly. But the only one that I that, that struck me that I can remember in telling me about is um um dance in my underpants i'm gonna run for government as soon as i heard yeah. that like the week coming out i was like for fuck's sake what are we in here for? <laughs> like what has he done like and like, like but like you got all alluded to like it was that those little whispers coming out uh those little whispers coming out the camp to say i don't think this is going to be a crowd pleaser at all and i know he wanted to keep it, the cards close to their chests as, as as the cards as close to his chest but the le- leaks always get out le- little snippets always escape and the the, the the growing hive mentality around it was, I don't think people are going to like this initially anyway, but I mean, now I obviously think there I was, it. Yeah, there was like a magazine article that put a few clips of lyrics before it came out or some online publication. And I remember the first one I saw was, I just want to be one of the strokes, mm. you know? And I was like, that's pretty cool. But then I saw a few other ones and I was just like, this could really go either way, you know? Mm-hmm. So I just want to be right. one of the strokes was definitely the one of the ones that a lot of the press latched onto yeah. and led within all their pieces about it because of the bluntness. And I guess we'll come on to that when we talk about it. Jacob, I I, just to, sorry, Jay, I just wanted to ask you something like from a journalist's point of view, do you think there's a bit of um, theory behind what Turner's done here? Because like, like Steve was saying, there was no promo to this album at all. And when you're promoing an album, you know, every publication gets an interview or, a, you know, a little sneak peek and there's so much coverage basically for the idea for all of these publications to big the album up. And when it does come out, give it a nice glowing review. Do you yeah. think four out of five was a bit of play towards the journalists going, they're going to give it a four, not a five anyway. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just, I just like, I look into it that much and think, is he sort of playing with the press here by not giving them anything? And before the press can give it four out of five, he's already mugged no. them off. He's already going in the head. Good point, actually, that's a really good point. I mean, as a as a journalist, as a journalist, I don't, I don't know. I just think he is just kind of like above. Without him kind of acting that way, I think he does the the interviews and stuff. He he's very shy, right? So he, I don't think he doesn't want to do him because he feels he's above the press. But I think he's he with that song. Maybe it was a bit of a. It is because it is kind of like a. A, a joke before it's even kind of arrived, isn't it? Because now, yeah. even when everyone goes, oh, how many stars? If I if I'm not like, talking to someone who's, who's like reviewed a film or whatever, how many stars are you going to give it? It just comes into the head. You're like four stars, and it's like an with like a bit of a tag. <laughs> but, but yeah, I don't know about that really. It's interesting to think. Maybe I'm just I playing know, conspiracy I, I theories. Interview the guy, and it never happens. So. <laughs> oh. so other things that play in this era of Arctic Monkeys, the fashion. The haircuts, particularly, obviously, with Alex Turner. But just before we get into that, as I I mentioned in the intro, this album was very much considered a bit of a solo project by by critics and fans alike. We see that in even the sort of uh, film footage that's 
that's been released and the, the documentary they made about the making of the album, which is almost entirely watching Alex and what he's doing. And he's playing all the instruments and he does, he's credited playing like the drums and you see like, you know, you see Helder's there and that maybe a bit redundant and you sort of wonder what, what's happening but I, i'm sure he wasn't completely redundant and alex takes over on, on on other instruments as well like the bass what did we make of that transition from alex turner being it being the arctic monkeys project and do we think that he had complete and utter dominance as much well, I mean, as it suggests well i mean like isn't that how most of their albums have been made though that's what i never really got about that criticism alex always has been the primary songwriter and basically just have the kind of guys build around it and it sounds like maybe this time it was a little more solo in the beginning but they were certainly a part of it so so there wasn't actually you don't think maybe that much difference this time it was just the way it was being perceived possibly yeah i think it was just because it was so different um yeah. and because maybe like his vocals will ju were just so much more pronounced than the instrumentation on it i think yeah. it maybe got that a little bit but i really think mm. that's mostly how most of their albums have been made. Like Matt said, like Helders just sounds a bit bored on this album, to be fair. <laughs> um, I, I, I feel quite sorry for him, but when it's like, it's different when it's live because you've got like a whole set list to play with. But um, yeah, may, may, maybe that's why it's seen as a bit of a, a solo, a Turner solo thing. I just don't think the, um, the others are as instrumental, not a pun again, but like, yeah, <laughs> um, maybe because it's just a bit quieter on that front. Do you think there's any truth in that, that, that we were, they, they were on the press, the label was um, on, giving them pressure to release a new album. And because of that, you know, Turner maybe had planned this to be a solo record or a Shadow Puppets record or had these songs that he thought about. And then he just went, right, they've got to be Arctic Monkeys. Or do you think that he always thought this was going to be my follow-up to AM for Arctic Monkeys? Well, there was a, I was reading that they did discuss, um, I think Alex and Jamie and probably all of them, um, should it be a solo album? Like, I think that discussion did take place from what I read. So I think it would have been in the in their thought process in terms of like putting pressure on, I think they'd have been putting the pressure on themselves more than anything. Like after five years, I don't think they would ever be the kind of band that needs a label to get on their case. Right. They've always done things on their own terms. And I don't see that that would really have changed. I think that they would have been desperate to have released something after five years. And so I think that you're right in the sense that this is probably what he had built. And then there was a decision to be made. Should it be a solo or should it be an album? Um, I agree with Katie. I do think that, it's really a, um, it's an exaggerated version of every other album, which is it's always really come from Alex and then spanned out from there. But I do have to say, it is the album that I do feel um, less of an affiliation with the band itself. Like I have to be honest on that. Like when I think about the whole back catalogue, I do look at the previous work and certainly the earlier stuff. And you really do think of it as that is four guys against the world who have like come together and whether Alex had more of an influence or not, it was still a group of guys who were doing it on their terms. And, and that was it. Whereas I think with this album, it's also not just the fact that Alex was playing other instruments, but just the number of guests. Like when you read like each track, which has had like 12 people on it, it feels like this kind of growth of this like mega group, which, is I think really positive for the music and the development of the music and it does create an amazing album but for me it does lose a little bit of that idea of the group themselves in terms of like the four guys and their collectiveness. Yeah I agree with that I think um, I guess Alex Turner probably feels that the onus is on him as a as like a leading man in music to kind of advance his 
just just everything about his image about how he's revered in the future and stuff and i think whereas before with right up until am he was like a really kind of like respected front man in in terms of british music certainly and 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 starting to become respected in america in, in the level he was in in britain um with tranquility i think with this album what he has done and what he may have been planning or hoping in the, you know, if it all go, go, going well would happen was kind of like just become one of the, embed himself as a musician who is unafraid to really kind of put himself out there, leading these guys who, you know, I, yes, there are amazing bass and there are amazing riffs and they're amazing, whatever that the other guys would have been responsible for. But I think this is very much kind of, Alex like flying the flag for exceeding his reach that he'd already done with previous albums. I think this is Alex Turner kind of going, yeah, I want to be respected as not as a British rock musician, but as a fucking musician. And, and like, you know, with, I will do anything. And I want you to kind of think when you see my name, God, what the hell is he going to do next? And I think he's done that with this album, like around, around in England and America. Well, and you have yeah. to think too, like the way he was making music had changed a lot after the Shadow Puppets record. Like you saw a lot of the same guys that toured with the Shadow Puppets toured and played on this entire thing, like mm -hmm. uh, Cam Avery and Zach Dawes and all yeah. these other guys. I mean, they toured the whole time. And so I think it just was also a part of like his evolution as a musician thinking in you know different kinds of instrumentation and song composition do you think the other guys were like when he was kind of like playing them samples and reading out lyrics and stuff and they were like okay like we're gonna go <laughs> with you in here uh and he's like yeah no come on come on it's gonna be great it's gonna be great it's gonna be great do you reckon that there was an element of that I would love to be a fly on the wall in that conversation like yeah, all right so it. there's this talkery on the moon like <laughs> I think they trust him in many in many ways, uh, but I think they would have probably. I'm I'm quite surprised that there wasn't like one track where it, it's a bit more accessible with a few more hooks, and they were like, let's just make that the single. I guess four out of five is probably the example of that, but even that, I don't think you you listen to it on the first or few times and think, oh god, that's an obvious single. So mm -hmm. I, I was quite surprised that they they held so firm in their in well, in their judgment of yeah of, of of those songs let's talk about the the fashion and, and the the haircuts of alex turner when they they first sort of started appearing and doing live performances there was obviously again as there always is with alex um with arctic monkeys albums a very obvious look and it was definitely one that i was a fan of you know the the the, the tucked in old school shirts and also a bit smarter this time probably as well a few more suits on display Probably quite an easy transition from the Last Shadow Puppets look of him and Miles as well. I don't think it was a million miles away from that at all, was it? But we also saw Alex rocking back to that, that kind of long-haired, bearded look this time. Um, so, yeah, what did people think of that? I was just going to say, this just links back to what Will was saying before. This is where I reckon they were like, or Alex was like, yeah, this is a good marketing tactic just coming out on Jimmy Kimmel or whatever with this beard and this, this, this like big collared suit and then just playing four out of five. That is like a bit of a statement, isn't it? Yeah. 
yeah. about that yeah, white yeah. denim jacket that he rocked on in so many live because it, it was the black sort of hexagon gold rim glasses the white <laughs> yeah. the white the white denim jacket the 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 hair looked like he had a fucking gallon of castor oil in it. Like it was properly <laughs> gone back, wasn't it? Like oh, really, like and it was like it was an iconic look. Because I remember, I thought the AM look was like really iconic at the time, obviously because we hadn't seen what was coming next. But I remember it was just you just you just sort of pop around these indie clubs and like it's just leather jackets popping up like everywhere. Uh, it's the leather jacket and it's the the tucked in and the it's like the lovely side quiff and I'm like. Turner's Turner's nailed it here. He's turning like so. He's, he's turning people going down the barbers asking for that, no problem. But th- this one, like you say, it's like I don't know what to. I don't know what to compare it to. Though. Is it is it a bit Elvis? I don't know. Like it's it, it's, it's certainly like a caricature, something. isn't it, of something? <laughs> there was a really great. I feel like there was a great uh, connection between like the recording studio and all the imagery of the recording studio and the look because. The fret where they recorded it, it looks like a ghost train. Like it's like something out of an old like Stanley Kubrick film. And yeah. I felt like there was a lot of like browns, like a lot of like yeah, um, it's all a lot of the dress code fitted that. One thing I yeah. would say on this is that I do feel like they lost a little bit of the identity post album because I think if you look at all of like that imagery at the time, it was so on theme and it was it was perfect for the album. It wasn't long though after and we'll come to talk about live, I'm sure, later down the line, but it wasn't really long after that that the set list was an AM set list and then he became a skinhead. And I did think that there was like a little bit of a lost identity. So I, I felt like that was a bit of a place in time, like that look that we've just spoken about, but it didn't really last particularly mm. long, which mm. is is quite an interesting thing to ponder, like why that was the case. Was it actually a lack of faith in themselves? Maybe I'm not sure. But when I, I was thinking about this before we came on and I realized that it was it didn't really last that long. It was mm. certainly there for like the promo and the pre-album stuff, but then I felt like it didn't kind of get doubled down if you like after the album was released. Maybe he just wanted a haircut. And, uh, Maybe. Maybe he just got pissed and, and accidentally shaved side of it. Yeah. And like, oh, no, no. Oh, well done. I've seen yeah. recent, re- recent photos. He's got sort of like a sort of buffoni, buffy. I don't know what it is at the moment. Like you just see random photos appear on Twitter of people getting a picture with him and stuff like that. It's like, yes. Yeah. I don't, don't know what it is at the moment. It's it's not slicked back. It's not skinhead for sure. It's uh, it's it's something else. He's look. He is he's looking a tiny bit older now, isn't he? I mean, obviously he, he is older. Like, it goes without saying, but like he is looking a bit. He's, he's he's aging quite a bit when you see photos <laughs> of him, and it's just a shame because like when you see him on stage, he still looks about twenty five. It's true to one, you know, in a scarily close amount of time, he'll be like in his 40s and, you know, we'll still idolise him and then we'll realise that it's sort of like we've just become these middle-aged rock fans. and that is He is Paul Weller. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that'll be a devastating realisation. Hopefully it'll happen soon. <laughs> Um, you know, the, the one thing I remember about the kind of the look of this time was that kind of in my little sphere of the internet, everyone hated it. People hated the goatee. They hated the Reddit the long crowd. Hair. Yeah, the they Reddit crowd. It. Like everyone was just like, and, and in fairness, the Reddit crowd tends to be a little younger. And I think one kind of thing about this album and the Arctic Monkeys in general is like everyone really holds on to their first two records as like their pinnacle. And it's like, yeah. you know, these guys are like in their 30s. They have families. Like they maybe don't want to be singing about being 18 at the pub in Sheffield anymore. Um, so like they're growing up. But yeah, everyone was like, waiting with breath that was baited for him to shave the goatee because like everyone hated that that much i kind of hated it too not gonna lie didn't think it was a great look 
the Reddit crowd are little slugs. It's <laughs> 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 so for that marketing thing as well. I remember, like, I don't, I don't really like get when I go to skis, get merch. Can't be asked to bring it home. But I did get the. Uh, well, I love they did the little hotel key rings on this tour. They did the oh, little, yeah. the little hexa- hexagonal key rings yeah, with I think it's yeah, yeah. four, five, two, one on them. I was like, oh man, a mm-hmm. couple of them for a for a five, and no, no problem. Yes, please. Four. <laughs> yes, please. Four. Yeah, some some good merch on this tour. <laughs> Um, right, so let's talk about them in interviews as well because they Alex did a lot of one-on-one, like two-hour interviews, and you could find podcasts where he's just going dissecting the album with, with like Radio X, uh, Zane Lowe. I remember he did uh, for for Apple Beats one or whatever it is, and yeah, John Holmes. There's a there's a few you can you can get, and I'm sure he must have done a couple in the states as well. But it was different. It felt different before to before because it was really like i said but use the word dissect that's what was happening they were he was talking through his his uses of wordplay and and i guess really taking ownership of his album he was way more open it was it was refreshing i think it was really cool to listen to it was like a bit of a insight behind the curtain that we've never really had before i also think that i was listening to one of them earlier the uh, i think it was the radio x like trap by trap run through and He's definitely a bit vulnerable as well. Like it's what is what is interesting oh, yeah. is when he's I, I really love this. He's talking about the influences, which are so abstract. Like he's talking about film, like Italian films from the 70s, but he's doing it in a way where like he knows it's quite pretentious. So like he's sort of like almost for, forgiving the fact that he is he is like going on the spiel about the uh, cinematography of this unknown film from the 70s and it's like he knows like when he's saying it, he's like look I'm really sorry this is like really <laughs> detailed people are going to think I'm like really pretentious and there's this weird like opening up where everyone's really interested in it but almost feel like he feels quite vulnerable about like giving all of that away as well and how he will be perceived um, but it's definitely a new side to him I also think he becomes a bit more Sheffield like yeah certainly like accent it wise were. if you hear him versus previous um he sort of seems to slip back into that i can't really come up with any reasons to why or what were the factors in that but that was also quite noticeable i thought certainly more he's certainly more thoughtful um as you guys said i think just but we we touched on it on the humbug podcast like this sort of evolution of turner interview where we had the shy the really shy phase and then opens up a bit more and then there's the well, Zin, phase and the <laughs> you talk about the striker, the striker interview was really funny as well. So yeah. there have been, there's certainly been like a diff, different phases of yeah. Turner interview. But like I remember, I remember like when the album came out. Obviously, you just want to get your hands on everything, like interviews, podcasts, and everything like that. Um, no, the the, the, the the you go on it, Alex Turner interview with whoever it is, and it's like an hour, and you think, hang on a minute, is this, is he talking for the whole hour? Like, what, what is this? You no, know? and um, I I think what we've which is quite weird because Turner wanted to make maybe this like thematic album or whatever. I never thought we were going to get that sort of reaction from him, but actually, when you, when you listen to interviews, he's so he's so insightful, and he and and then you you sort of get the track a bit more. Whereas I don't think we ever really got got that in with the, with the previous albums, to be honest. Mm. I always kind of wondered if he was maybe a little more intentional about who interviewed him in this round because it seemed yeah. like he was mostly with you know interviewers like Zane Lowe or like very you know kind of famous for like being really normal with musicians and like asking really like intelligent leading questions um so i definitely thought this kind of round of media was him at some of his most like insightful and most humble and just kind of like 
being really open and like really trying to answer questions, even though sometimes you just trail off into nothing or forget <laughs> what he's saying halfway through a sentence. Um, but you know, that's, that's like a charming thing about him. I think yeah. before, before this album with Arctic Monkey, there was always a, uh, a need to promote it in such a boring way, their albums in a way right. that he didn't like, like he'd go on like breakfast morning TV and you know, that Susanna Reid interview ways. <laughs> well, he didn't mind that. Which, yeah, <laughs> right. really know, but, but like he you could just tell now that with this album especially and i don't know if it maybe it's something to do because there's a lot of you know american press really good interviews and stuff that you know people who were finally wanting to kind of like dissect his work with him and this album really lends itself to that kind of journalism and i think he was really willing to because he, he was wearing his influences so on his so on his sleeve and they were so diverse and unique that he was just kind of like it was a good a good excuse for him to kind of like not brag about it, like Steve said, in an almost pretentious way that he knows about it, but he clearly is just so passionate about so many odd things that you wouldn't think that it, it, he kind of, I felt like he owed it to the listeners to kind of go, yeah, like this is quite a mad album. And yeah, there really isn't a lot of meaning behind me watching this crazy French film from the 1940s uh, where it features, the, you know, and go into it. And I think he kind of, he knew that he owed it to the fans to kind of dissect this album in that way. So I'm really glad he did. Um, we're going to move on into in, the tracks shortly. Um, I just, my last kind of question is about the piece of music as a whole. Is this whole thing, and it's a concept album, but how far and to what extent is it a piss take? I don't think it's a piss take, I, but I think that it, he, Alex Turner does what he has done throughout his career, but probably to a larger extent here, which is, just toe that line, that really thin line between like pretentiousness and humour, as we said. And as soon as I think the listener might believe that he's blown smoke up his own arse and gone a bit too far, he has the ability to also pull it back in as well with something that's either very relatable or very humorous. And it toes the line, which kind of, I think, leads you to ask the question, is it a piss take? And he knows that. He knows that he's close to that line and he's always got that ability to kind of fall one side or the other and leave it up to your rep uh, to your interpretation. He's also earned the right to do that as well, I think is really important. If this was a debut album from an artist, it almost certainly doesn't work. Like, it just doesn't. But having the history that you have of Alex Turner and the Arctic Monkeys allows there to be this leverage and this opportunity to play a little bit more and like have a little bit more um be a little bit more daring have a little bit more fun i think it's also fair to say that he's earned the right to do that as well which gives him a bit of a free pass at times he's he's an odd guy clearly and he has these funny thoughts in his head and he's now going do you know what i'm just going to plonk this in a song there's no meaning to it it's just uh, it's just a really funny visual in my head and I'm going to just like put that down and people will analyse it and it, it means nothing but you know they can analyse it I think the, uh, there's a Pitchfork interview where he talks about I think it's the line in Batphone which is probably one of my favourite um, lines in the album where he says I launch my fragrance called Integrity I sell the fact that I can't be bought and and he says yeah no I wasn't trying to make a grand statement about Integrity I just pictured perfume bottle with the word integrity on it and it's like <laughs> why, why would you think of that but okay yeah why not throw that in the song and he's just trying to find inventive ways of kind of like refining these crazy thoughts he has um i do think this album is when we get into the tracks it's going to be hard to kind of analyze the lyrics and stuff because i do think with some of it there really, really isn't an, any analysis to be had 
You're still out there, everybody. Right, guys, this is what we've all been waiting for, I think. Um, <laughs> let's get into it. Star treatment. I'm going to kick off with the most obvious point, which is the, the opening lyric, um, which he's openly discussed. I just want it to be one of the strokes. He was a placeholder, um, and it was something that he put in there and thought, this is not me, probably. I can't just have this as a song. But then he kept saying, he, you know, he told John Holmes, I just love the, the bluntness, John. And <laughs> that is, is amazing With an, in, on this record. That is what um, is obviously caught people's attention um, because it's so on Alex Turner, right? You know, it, it, this song for me is the one I look into most and the one I try to find like the deeper meaning because like there are so many, um, so many bits of the song. Like, what, what do you mean you've never seen Blade Runner? Um, Jacob is our <laughs> resident film expert. Um, sure, will be able to give us some Blade Runner analysis, but I actually <laughs> haven't seen Blade Runner because I'm not no. massive. I'm not Matt. Sorry, Jacob. I'm not massive on film, right? And when he sung that, he could legitimately sing that to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and, it, well, and that got me questioning myself was like, it, to, do you have to be cool? To be cool, do you have to have seen Blade Runner sort of thing? I still haven't seen it, by the way. Um, but this, the, some of the lyrics in this song, like uh, the other one that really jumps at me is Elevator down to my make-believe residency. Mm. Uh, it's, it, it, to me, it signifies he's just on another level to everyone else. And he's sort of playing with the fact that when he gets the elevator down, it's just like to another world where no one can really reach. Not in a pretentious way, but like just in a in a way that he knows he's he's written another he's written another belter here. But as an album op- opener, um, like like I said, first listen really disappointing. It, it doesn't jump out of you as an opener. I think it takes you a good seven eight listens to really love this song. But I do love this song. I mean, yeah, just it really sets up. I think the album in general is like really like heavy actually if you go looking quite heavy on nostalgia right down to the fact that a lot of the lyrics he's kind of like had written for a long time and had no songs to put put them into um and i think this book ended with ultra cheese is like very telling because that is like the most that's just probably the one where you can hear him talking about himself more than any others but opening the album with this is a very um bold and uh, i think it's a perfect intro to the tranquility base era to be honest i think it's got everything the album will go on to display from the echoey vocals and just like kind of sultry delivery bit of a sexy song star trek mm. actually um and i think it's just like really mature like it's it's just such a maturely written song and i think if you want evidence of of alex turner as you know the as a mature songwriter i would just point critics to this song um it's a crazy song and i love it so much i've li- it's up there with one of the ones i've listened to the most um purely because i worked to get it the most it's just such a brilliant song star treatment i i can't fault it i think one of the things that stands out is something we spoke you just mentioned jacob we spoke about this a lot on the humbug podcast artsy monkeys have always been amazing at album track listings i think and this is the epitome of putting something out which sets the precedent for what's to come it was the same with humbug it's the same with am it's the same with every album and star treatment is the, just the perfect like encapsulation of everything to come there's a bit of probably every other track somewhere in star mm. treatment and i think that it's such a good level set um i also think that it like any piece of fine art or wine 
it will only be more and more and more revered over time. And I really do think that in like when we're gray and old and there's the, um, you know, there's, there's articles about the, the great discography of Arctic Monks or Alex Turner, Star Treatment, I am sure will consistently come through as being considered some of his absolutely finest work because it's so mature. Exactly. As you said, it's so technically, um, technically incredible versus so much of their previous work um yeah i think this will stand the test of time so well and i mean you can quote this maybe in 50 years when it's considered one of their worst tracks i don't know but <laughs> i do think it will i think it will have a, a legacy because of uh exactly what you mentioned the maturity of it yeah i think it definitely sets you know one thing about this whole album i'm sure i'll repeat is there's such an aesthetic to it you know there's such a vibe kind of this theme that he's like trying to create and this definitely starts it out i think my favorite lyric from star treatment is a uh, love came in a bottle with a twist off cap let's all have a swig and do a hot lap like can't you just imagine him and all his friends and his girlfriend all like done up <laughs> at a bar and like you know taking sips and doing laps i don't know it's just it's it is quite perfect honestly in a coronavirus world that sounds terrifying <laughs> just to go back to the blade runner line right what i love about it is because a pet peeve of mine what i hate is when people just go oh you've never seen that like i hate that so much um, and i do think it is a commentary on that because i think he said that in a few interviews as well like god everyone's watching so much and i fall in the trap of he himself that i always go oh what well, you haven't seen whatever and it's like well, of course not everyone has seen everything and everyone people will get around talking it but it's also great if there's ever a, a, a film that fits into that lyric. I just sing it now. If, I, <laughs> if it's on like Netflix or something. Like Didn't he change it in the live version movie. sometimes? He'd like say different movies there. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah, which he, he should do that every time from now on. But I don't believe that, Jacob. I think you've seen every film. I, think, <laughs> I mean, another film you've not I mean, seen. I watched, I watched 70 films last month, which is, I counted it up and that is too many. Wow. 70? <laughs> 70, how outrageous. I know oh, someone who watched over a hundred. I think I watched. I think I watched one, and it was probably the short show with them. So on Channel Four. <laughs> like that. Like, oh, All right, Michael oh, Owen. Can't go wrong. I, like, I like that. I like that film. I've seen it before. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, do a Blade Runner viewing night, Will. That's what we should do for you. Yeah. <laughs> Via Alex. Is it any good for? Was I mean, it's Blades and Runners and all that. <laughs> <laughs> is, there, is, there any, is it any good? See the extent of my film pattern Mu i'm much better on music i, I, I fell asleep during blade runner sorry yeah i didn't actually love it that much to be honest yeah it's a bit overrated i think we can agree. Yeah. um so for me on this song it like you guys were saying it's, it is the maturity and it's just like that developing piano chord sequence it just sort of subtly changes at each part of the song and uh, yeah i guess you can only just point to the maturity of of the musician of alex turner you know not just he gets a lot of credit for his lyrics and his writing you know in that sense but actually we see a really talented musician on this album and his piano playing for someone that only apparently had learned it you know properly a few in the few years before leading up to it we move on to one point perspective which katie's already put an early shout out to be her favorite song i happen to think the same thing and very early on i think it was one of my favorites it's it's one of those it's it's got a beautiful chord progression i just think as well there's one lyric that i absolutely love before i come around to ask you guys which is when he just belts out i've been driving around listening to the score because i think that's mm. just a moment you can't not want to just join in and scream out at the same time 
um, and just hit that note as well. So yeah, what do we all think of One Point Perspective? Yeah, like I said, probably my favorite on the whole album, just like there's so many layers to it and so many parts of it that I love. The one part I don't love, I don't love the dancing in my underpants slide. I think it's really cheesy and stupid. Um, almost <laughs> yeah. the rest of it, I love. I really love this kind of like that second verse. Um, by the time reality hits, the chimes mm. of freedom fell to bits, the shining city on the fritz. Like what a beautiful, just like couple lines that like, I don't know, they're so kind of poetic. And then right after that, when he does the kind of falsetto just as the apocalypse, mm. like that might be one of my favorite pieces of his singing that he's ever done. Um, and then to, st- to top it all off with that guitar solo at the end, I love that guitar yeah. solo. I love when he does it live. He has that big hollow body Gretsch that he plays it on. And yeah, there's just like so many layers to it that just totally work for me. I remember at the time when the album came out, um, I think it's not that common that other artists like comment specifically on like tracks or albums, but I do remember Guy Garvey um, was asked about this album and he said he thought it was like mind-blowingly good and he specifically called out this track and said it is his finest ever piece of work and I think wow. regardless of what you think of Elbow etc you know Guy Garvey mm. is an extremely revered songwriter I think he's he runs literally runs a university course now on songwriting so he's a pretty uh he's a pretty good voice to kind of get a, he's got fingers in a lot of pies Guy Garvey don't he so he does he does <laughs> indeed yeah but I thought that that was um quite unusual actually for like another artist to call out like a specific track mm. like that but I think tells you all that you need to know really. I'm a, I'm a sucker for, for plinky plonky piano um, so the minute this song started I remember being like um, I'm I'm it like I, I it's completely got me already <laughs> I mean, when, when that cruising bass line rolls in and then with, with the lyrics you've all said it's just a, a, a fantastic song um, and I I mean like Katie you mentioned the, the falsetto vo- uh, vocal I mean it just does things to a person doesn't it this song is, is effortlessly brilliant it's effortlessly brilliant and obviously it leads into my favourite so I love it for that as well <laughs> but, um, yeah, it no, sets I, up your favourite I just love as well when he performs it live. He he almost like he he does he performs it really, doesn't he? He like reacts to the lyrics and stuff, and it's great. I love that he always he'll do the like I lost my train of thought thing. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. stop well, and kind of look great. like he's pretending to figure out what he meant to say. So he only so, he can so charming. I mean, that, I mean that is quite ridiculous when he does that line. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Love it every it, time. Yeah, yeah, it is funny. I, th- I think this song is like the coming of Alex Turner. Like this is this is it for him. This is like the announcement that he is like not to put a finer point on it, like the bollocks. Like he is he is the man. <laughs> like and like and that th- someone actually when this shortly after the track came out, someone um isolated the last part of the track you know when it's just drifting out before it goes into american sports they did it a bit earlier so they got there and it just feels like you're floating away into like a dream down like down like a stream or something like that and you sort of just move away with it like i lose my train of thought listening to that little bit of isolated but just mm-hmm. like i think so mate you say it's your favorite katie favorite i think it's it's i think i've got i've got to declare it early on i've got to declare it the favorite absolutely like this this song is just it's just amazing like uh, and, and it's like don't worry if you listen to this pod early on they're like oh they're going to be so sycophantic about every arts and monkey song because there's a lot there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of eyebrow no, in this, in this album yeah. as well <laughs> but like like what more can you say about this song that's an absolute work of genius and this is an announcement of turner just being just 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 being genius just just absolutely nailing it, it not so um, 
Sorry, Matt. So no, go. Uh, my point is, is I was going to say not to detract from from the song in any way, but the f- opening with the piano sounds exactly like um, a oh, Robbie Williams. Song. That was my next. That was my next point. That was what no I was about way. to say. Are you joking? That was what I was about to say. Something beautiful is called. The, yeah. The, something beautiful. Yeah. And when you listen to them, when I first heard it, I was like, oh my God, it's, it's something beautiful by Robbie Williams, which is like a really abstract like single as well. It wasn't even on an album, I don't think. No, I love that. And we, we were both about to say it at exactly so the same time as well. Brilliant. It's like the moment came for that, that point to be made, I think. Um, I actually listened to it the other day because I was thinking about that. And it's, a, it's quite a nice song. It's quite a catchy. Yeah. It's got that. It's for you, Jay. It's got the plinky plonky piano. So exactly. Loves it. But it just does a little, I guess, Alex does the first couple of chords and then his next one is, is slightly Sa- I'm saving that on Spotify for later. Yeah. Something just beautiful. listen to the start. What do, you mean, what do you mean you've never heard something beautiful by Robbie Williams? <laughs> I was going to say, I'm showing my American thing right here because I barely know who Robbie Williams is. So. Yeah, you're like, who the fuck Didn't crack America. Well. No, I think he had one single here, but no one cares. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually, I actually did. I went to karaoke and I did Robbie Williams and everyone was like, what the fuck's this? I did Angels. <laughs> I was like, people must know this. No, no idea. So, yeah, wow. proven. Yeah, well, look, check out um, something beautiful and just listen even for the first sort of five to ten seconds because it's That's all you need. It's yeah. all you need, and you suddenly think you're listening to Alex Turner. But I wonder, I wonder if he ever, if there, it's just probably a coincidence. But it's funny that I we would, both thought it. Yeah, I know. Well, I, I, we'd have to ask him. <laughs> we will. <laughs> right. So then, Jacob, you, as you said, um, this transitions, and, and not just transitions. I think in the early listens before I sort of made the distinction between tracks and stuff, I, I, I maybe didn't even realize that it had moved on to the next track because it just flows into American sports from one point perspective. Um, so, and I think a lot of people kind of pair them up a bit as well because of that. I love American sports. I would put one point perspective ahead of it. You wouldn't. Why is that? I, it's an oddity and and i the first time i heard it i was like what is this but in a in a it it, it, it i don't know if it's because like i like veer towards just because i know it's technically not the best song on the album i know it's a bit like you know dangerous animals how much i was rooting for that <laughs> it's, it's a bit like that in the sense that i know it's odd and i know it's like not technically the best but there is something about the vibe that just absolutely works with me on every level. He doesn't level. spell it out though. He's not. He's not saying S P O R T S. I'm definitely gonna try that next time I listen to it. You know when you're when, when you're like on a on a log flume uh, and you're going through the different rooms before you and it's like this one. It's like you've entered like a completely different. Like you've gone through a portal and this is like proof that the album is going to take you on a journey because like you say it is like oh like handbrake up we are going in a different direction here um and i think it got like a it's like a post-apocalyptic vibe hanging over it and because the album is very kind of like it dips its toe in this idea of of of, a, of you know a dystopian future and there's lots of lyrics pertaining to that i think with this it's like it's like i don't know that kind of like storm is coming but but like not like in it like uh pretty visitors where it's like the sound it's more like mm. 
in the world a storm is coming because it's like a comment on dystopia and he like throws in lyrics like we said before where he's just i think that you know the trainer's explanation was accepted by the steward is something that he heard his dad say or his he was watching horse racing with his dad and he was like wait what the hell was that and he's like oh it's something they say when this happens he's like right scribble it down and from in american sports um it's i know it's, a, it's like considered a footnote to one point perspective but for me i think because it's like the underdog because of it's like linked to that song yeah i like i'm like no do you know what this is my this is my track um and the piano uh, like for me the piano like where taylor parkford um is it taylor parkford's Who's that? Kind of Tyler Parkford, like the dun dun dun, like at, at, when that hits at the right time, it just puts the hairs up on the back of my neck. I've been, I listened to it today about ten times. I can't get enough of it. Um, I also really love it. Yeah, I, yeah. I love American Sports. It's one of definitely one of my favorites. Um, a couple of my favorites. I love uh, just all the lyrics are really brilliant. Um, for mm. one thing, it gives me a huge pulp vibe, like very Jarvis Cocker, and mm. I love pulp. So like that kind of stuck stuck out to me originally. Um, and I really love kind of the climax of it, how like it all kind of starts building up and and all of my most muscular regrets explode behind my eyes like American, like that's such a good buildup. Um, yeah, I also think it was kind of like one of the more overlooked tracks, I think even for people who really like the record, but yeah, I'm with you, Jacob. It's one of the best for sure. KT, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I would massively agree. I think this is an amazing track. Um, I also, uh, I think the vocal delivery is amazing as well. Like the lyrics are great, as you mentioned, but it's a real like storytell. It's almost like it's been spoken from like inside his head. Like uh, certainly like the first verse like is very much like that. I also think that even though it's really abstract and, and a bit ominous, as you mentioned, it's also probably as close as you get to a really catchy chorus. But I do think that it's also got that hook to it as well. I also like, I was thinking about what you mentioned as well, Jake, about the lyrics. I read about what he was saying, which I thought was interesting that like, he took away this obsession of like having a three minute period and having to tell a story from the start to the end. There were the bookends and like, that's what you're working with. And he kind of spoke more about how he used the whole album to like loosely talk about certain themes and topics and stories, but not necessarily focus on like starting them and finishing them within the context of one song. And this is a great example. I think all the songs are good examples of that, to be honest, but this is another quite good one. I think of that too. Before you say Jake about like this, we might be mistaken for trying to analyze this album, but I think you find yourself doing it anyway, because you want to see like, try and grasp the story he's telling and I, I always look at this song and see what what um what story he's trying to tell like um like when just just the title american sports um is he trying to sort of play on like the mass commercialization of that industry or is it or, or the world in general um and then when he because when he mentions twice in the song i meet so many lovers and can, can i please have my money back sort of thing sort of feel like the world's been cheated by commercialization and greed and profit and things like that uh, and then you find yourself at base level, just like an emergency battery pack, just in time for my weekly chat with God on video call. And I go, I don't know what that's about at all. So I, I, I do wonder if there's a deeper political message to this song. I think it's, it's, it's probably the most thought-provoking track on the album. I think the star treatment in this one, definitely most thought-provoking, as I'm constantly trying to trying to find out what he's saying about saying in this song, to be honest. Who do you think the Lolas are? I read some like theories as to what it could be. Well, but it's interesting wild. that you say that because obviously in, initially you don't necessarily know that that lyric is Lolas, right? Yeah, I thought it, it was Lovers. Yeah. For a long yeah. Time. Lovers, right? You would assume. 
So it's that's almost a deliberate the way he sings it as well. It's deliberately misleading. Mm. So yeah, I just wonder a little bit like I've heard some kind of talk online and stuff about like how different he's become since living in America for a long time and I think there's a lot of that throughout this album. And so what do you guys think about that like being British and seeing his yeah. evolution and stuff? Have you seen a big like change in him in that way cuz he still seems extremely British to me. Yeah. As an American and then people are always complaining about him like kind of turning too American, you know. I, I don't think that it's that obvious that he's yeah americanized if, if that's what you want to call it but he's certainly matured and got yeah and, and, and become a different person but i don't know if that's necessarily the the nation's influence on him particularly yeah he loves it yeah he loves like cruising down los Feliz and just just going into the bars his local bars and hanging with the with the la people yeah who wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> who wouldn't he's true I'm jealous. So the title track. Another one that I love, and I don't want to sound like a, a broken record, but I think the first, like the first half of this album, is really prolific. Um, I think that they all they all kind of build from one to the next. I really, I would have really considered this song being an opener, and like I think that sometimes I still, I think Star Treatment is worth its place there because it's a great opener. But this also feels to me like a real like opening up of the theme, and it's almost like the introduction as to what the album is about as well. Like I think whilst a lot of the other tracks are more abstract, um, this of course is also very abstract, but it does have a bit more of a direct um, narrative behind it as well. Like this is the first time they're actually addressing what Tranquility Base as a place is and what happens there and what therefore is the theme of the album. So the choice of it being like fourth, I think is, is up for debate. But as a song, I love it. It's another mature song for me. I think like a really, really, mature evolution um i love it yeah i love the way that he says um each time he sings the title he switches it up he like he sings it in a different way like the second time he says tranquility bass and he goes down and then later on when he like he's he like rushes the last part just like playing around with with, with like delivery like you say he does in american sports as well it's just each time you listen to it you just get something new from it um do you think that there's a link there jacob something that i've wondered before between just managing to miss the mark and Mark also being the guy who answers the phone in the chorus as well. Cause it, that's the pre-chorus line, right? That you just yeah. managed to miss the mark. I mean, it, it would be and, a funny play on it, wouldn't it? I, I love that. I love that idea. Might be, who knows? It probably is. I mean, and this is the thing like, and we, you'd never get that like the first few times, would you? It, it's the repeat listening that you pick up on things like that. And yeah. And it's, it's like, you know, American sports and oh, and one point perspective, really not star treatment, but and this one, they're like short songs, really, aren't they? They're they're they're, yeah. they're pretty, they're pretty quick going. I think the other thing about tranquility bass is um the bass line is um just a silent, not silent, but it's like the, the sly hero of the song. As it, I completely agree with you, Jacob. Yeah, it's, it's mad. It? Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's the best on the album, the best bass line on the album, actually. Mm. Um. I think that it really stands out, especially if you kind of like juxtapose it with that comical organ, almost different for, especially for, for, for Alex Turner. And yeah. And then I think also on the second verse, the lead guitar come, comes in and starts playing over the top. And I think that's such a signature to monkey sound, actually. Mm-hmm. So you've kind of got all these different sounds from different parts of the Alex Turner experience all in one song, which is great. His vocals on this song is also mad. Like, I think that we're so used to it now 
because of like it's we've listened to it for two years but i think if you went back three years ago his vocal delivery on this song is crazy there's such mm. a mad range like when he's delivering the line like kiss me under the moon side boob it's like this amazing lyric obviously but also this strange like falsetto delivery yeah. which i think we've kind of normalized now because we listen to it a million times and love it yeah but it is a really wild range i think this this track was, I don't even know how to word this, probably where the most drugs were taken throughout the album. Because when I try and work my way, it sounds a bit super hands, doesn't it? Just just lots of drugs. Uh, no, but the, 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 lyric, the, the lyric that catches me in this song is this magical thinking feels as if it might, might really catch on. So it sounds, sounds like the world's going mad a bit and that everyone is, we're just moving towards an age of sort of like quite fake news and the world's getting carried away and it will just, and then the next line after that is mama wants some answers. It's just to say the old generation and looking down at it going why is this happening and this is the generation we're going again maybe i'm looking into it too much and and maybe if he is on the off chance he listens to us he goes he's probably just laughing going i just wrote that for a joke mate like i don't know why (laughs) you're thinking about that way but um yeah i think this is this is the song that really got me into the album um this is like this is the sort of the icebreaker after a tough first listen when you start dotting about the album going back up the order i think this one because i think i agree with steve i think this would have been the best opener um it's just got that nice gentle intro uh and uh it would, be, it would have been a good idea to have the title track as an opener as well i also just kind of one thing about this song is like it kind of goes between this really kind of absurdist take and then kind of more serious introspective takes which i think is interesting like uh one of my favorites from this one is uh like do you celebrate your dark side and wish you'd never left the house like that's kind of a weird like introspective like look at that and right before that it's kiss me underneath the moon side boob i don't know it's just like kind of all over the place but um also have you guys seen the video to this one i'm sure yeah it's yeah. really good it's again it's just like it's such an aesthetic it's such like a kind of thematic creation that he's that he's built and this is kind of more than any other song on the album i think it just encapsulates all of that in this song yeah right let's move on to golden trunks then yeah i would say this is probably one of my least favorite arctic monkey songs <laughs> i've ever made um. <laughs> he, i mean he's even you know giving you your his take on american politics as well you know uh, into that <laughs> no i mean i think it was maybe a little too on the nose for me with that i mean like i have to live through this every single day so <laughs> um i don't love it and and honestly i don't know it's like I, I just don't really like it very much musically, like the really yeah. cheesy, like, yeah. it's like, you know, this villainous thing. I don't know. I think they could have easily just like left this off the album. Uh, I actually, on like my playlist of this album, I just removed, I just removed that <laughs> song. So it's like not even part of it, but I did re-listen to it kind of in preparation for this. And I'm like, there's a couple parts that are kind of cool. I like that. I still fantasize about you too part, but mm. other than that, yeah, I could, I could leave it forever. <laughs> yeah, uh, same here. Like, just I don't have actually much to say on this song. I just listen to it, and I just think a bit meh. Which means Jacob's going to come in now and go, "Well, this is one of the best <laughs> tracks on the album." If he this went G O L D E N T, I think I just a bit of a free pass. I mean, I don't love it um, a lot, really. Um, I love the harmonies. I love the harmonies, and, and I, whenever I listen to, it, I try and do them and fail miserably. But um, <laughs> an experiment for them like it's such a different song for them to to, to do and i don't think you know i don't think they've mastered what they were trying to do but i think it, it works in this in the context of of this album i think i think it works because it's like this album they're going for something 
And it's like, if you're not going to try it now, when will you? Um, so for that, yeah. I kind of have a bit of respect for Golden Trunks, but it's not it's not in my in the upper echelons for me, no. I think it's a little bit overproduced. I think, Katie, you mentioned it, like with that kind of ghost train kind of guitar riff, where this song took a bit of a turn for me when I heard just the solo piano version of it. And I'm not sure if you've heard that. They did it, at, he did it at the oh. Made of Ale session as like the outro. And it sort of like hit me that there's a really nice melody to the track, which is totally lost in the massive overproduction of the guitar and this kind of, very grindy sound that's behind it but I actually think that like when I heard that version I was really it kind of made me think twice that there's actually a really good melody stuck in there and the harmonies are amazing I just think maybe they've taken the production a little bit too far I think that it's interesting when we think about other Arctic Monkeys albums right they all have a few tracks here and there which are maybe serve their purpose of carrying the album to the next step and the one that kind of comes to mind is in AM like I want it all right I think of this mm-hmm. as quite similar to that and I would yeah. absolutely agree with what Jacob said which is if you have to have them in your album make it like this instead of I want it all which is like yeah. four guys playing like a live <laughs> rock track which is just basic and relatively boring at least at least this is like weird and like kind of trying something I don't think it does hit the mark as we've all agreed but I think that you know kudos for trying to at least uh, achieve it I think versus what would be a much easier alternative and maybe perhaps having some more over or blunt lyrics for the interviews and gives journalists things to talk about they can start talking to him about the situation in american politics there are other motives i guess to and reasons why you you write the way you do and mm. it, it might perhaps be uh yeah important for, for that that was golden trunks four out of five this is obviously the big single the one that most people that if you're showing them the album or, you know, if, if those, those people that don't quite get it, they at least appreciate or can like this song. Uh, what do, Jacob, what do you think of four out of five? I mean, I, I, you know, for this to be the most successful song, it's huge evidence just how unique the record is, right? Because it is again, another oddity. Um, it's funky. It's just his delivery, the lyrics, it's a marriage of everything that's great about this album, but about Alex Turner in general. Um, and I think the, the, it's fun to sing. The lyrics, more than anything, I mean, I did it at karaoke the other week and it was just, it went down storm. And because the lyrics, people who don't know it are like, what, these lyrics are wild. Um, but when it kind of like devolves, you know, with that it, 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 into the music out, outro um, with him singing about rave reviews and whatnot. Um, it just goes full Beatles. That even that, uh, like it's just like that yeah. is like Beatles. But then it, it but, but more than that, it just goes full White Album Beatles, which is just my ballpark. Um, yeah, Sexy Sadie, I want uh, yeah, Sexy Sadie, and then I want you to say every which isn't White Album. But the whole the piano that he that Alex Turner plays, and the way he's playing it when you see him live, and even the image, you're like, mm, is someone channeling John Lennon here? I think they might yeah. be um, with those glasses. Just ticks every box going. Um, yeah, I just love the outro. Just goes on and on and on as well. And I, I almost want it to go on even further. Oh, I love. I agree. That yeah. outro. Yeah, that's amazing. This is such. This is like 
such a brilliant song. I think that the, the best line is the information action ratio is the place to go. It's like just like a line gets me like every time. Um, I just it's like hard to go into this one like analytically, other than just to say it's such a just a great listen. Like it's quite it's it's probably the most poppy one on the album. Like you say, Matt, if you're trying to bring someone into the album, you definitely show them four out of five first because you, the other ones would probably be a bit of a bit, bit harder to break into. But um, we had. When, yeah, on one of our previous podcasts, we had Phil from The Twang. I just remember him speaking about it. And uh, one thing that uh, struck me, he just went, uh, "What? come on, mate, what Like, what bloke can start singing about tackeries on roofs and get away with it? Like, yeah. there's only one bloke it's who true. can do it, and it's him. He can just like, sing about something as silly as that and get away with it. But I think like, I agree with you guys. The outro is like, the, the best like country mile, best part about this song. You just want it to go on for like, ever and ever. And just keep repeating. I wouldn't mind if you repeated it a hundred times and the song kept going on. Just brilliant. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. In terms of it being a sing-along, like, it's so true. It's such an abstract song. But if you haven't seen it, I would take a look at when they play Transmit Festival, they headline, and they open with this. And it is the loudest crowd, I think, for a song (laughs) I've ever seen. And when you look at, like, the crowd and you watch the video... quite recently. You've got like, if you look at the crowd, you've got people probably from the age of like 18 to 40. They're all battered. Like there's all all sorts of people and everyone is screaming every lyric. And when you think about like the content of literally like what they're singing as well, it's about like, yeah, a a random like tacaria that's on the moon that's being gentrified and people are just belting it out in this field. And you're like, that's a pretty amazing achievement to have written a song I, I, that can be so off the wall and just be, yeah, so many people can get on board with. Because it was in Scotland and Art Monkeys fans are pretty raucous wherever they go. This is the most successful song in the album. So regardless of the lyrics, obviously it's just, it's just hilarious that they probably don't know what they're singing about or they, they don't care. And they're just going absolutely mental because this is an Arctic Monkeys gig. And this is the, the best song you can sort of chant to on the album. I think we were the same. I remember in Primavera, you know, this is the song we were going mad for. Uh, and maybe with Tranquility Bass, you know, as well. Just like, well, you know. Well, it's an it's a absolute banger of an opener. Yeah. Like, I saw them mm. twice on the last tour, once at Best Kept Secret Festival in the Netherlands. And, like, when it comes out, like, with the red flashing lights and that weird little kind of, like, mix that they do, it's like, it just, it really gets everybody hyped, so. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, what as well, Katie, before I cut you off on this, I was just asking you about your thoughts on the song in general. Oh, I mean, it's it's definitely, it's just a great song. It's very layered. Um, again, it's another song that I really love the build up and kind of the climax at the end where all of the different musicians come in, um, some really good lyrics. And I, it definitely kind of like, I feel like this song, and I think Alex actually said this, this song and Tranquility Bass kind of go together the most. They're kind of like the most thematic and most conceptual parts of the, the record. Yeah, big fan. Really good. Nice. I just wanted to I just wanted to lead us into the next track because uh, I did put a tweet up earlier just asking if there's anything that we should cover. And the first response that we got was uh, Dom O'Connell from Maidstone, uh, who's, uh, I quote, uh, the world's first ever monster truck front flip why question mark so <laughs> so so why guys why this was one that 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 grew on me that i didn't love at first because it's like there's something a little obnoxious about it almost with the like little i don't know kind of organ sounds but um it's kind of one of the only real love songs on the record you know you can tell he's maybe writing about his girlfriend at the time and 
there's some really sweet moments of it and uh yeah i think it's a little underrated honestly yeah it's, it's, like, it's just a lovely little ditty really isn't it mm-hmm. and i think he when he was asked what it's about he's like oh i just saw a video clip of, of the of yeah and i just wanted to put it in there because it's cool which for me does take away a little bit i won't lie but then again it did and now i'm like beyond like oh not everything has to mean anything and you just focus on the sound of it and you just like kind of listen to him singing about steps and apps and lily pads and whatnot it's just it's just it's just a charming little song and and, and it does grow on me and the whole um you push the that that comes into my head probably once a week just out of nowhere <laughs> it's like a proper earworm isn't it yeah i know what you mean by that actually mm. and there's obviously there are a few songs that do that but in, not necessarily in the Turner repertoire, but like that is, yeah, it really sticks. Mm. It really it does. Add, it reminds me of like a, um, like a, a satirical advert in a film or yeah. a TV show where that's like the jingle or something. Yeah. I think I, I'm, I'm amazed that I've not brought this up already, but I guess it because it, it, the main point comes from the Ultra Cheese because um, they talk about, I think it was Alex talking about, they wanted to record the whole album like live together in a room like in a pet sounds vibe mm-hmm. but it, they only actually ever do that on the ultra cheese but this mm. song kind of real gives me pet sounds vibes just with like those sort of staccato piano chords and you know i guess just, and 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 the and the harmonies I think the same a bit about four out of five as well, especially with like the oohs and ahs as well. Yeah, so this song definitely gives me the, the, those Beach Boys vibes. And then if I'm talking about like my, like I was saying earlier that this song, I would have probably definitely put in like my bottom sort of three or four. I was listening to it earlier with like this renewed sense of actually I quite like this song. Like why why is it in my bottom four? Like I, I really quite don't mind it at all. Um and yeah, I think the bridge is actually just a really nice part of the song as well. You know, I'm just a get, bad girl trying to be blue. That bit where it just kicks in. I actually I love that lyric. That's one of my. Yeah. He does it like so tongue in cheek. Like I'm just a bad girl trying to be good. So cute. So funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't. Good. I'm not a massive fan. It might just be a bit of filler, like a, sim- a simple yeah. bit of filler. But, but one thing you could say about the track, it does go with the theme of the album, definitely. You know, you know, you're listening to Tranquility Base when you listen to it. It's um with, with mm-hmm. the f- sort of like circusy organ sound and the, you know, the, the wacky lyrics. I think like I think it, I think it's a bit worse than Golden Trunks, actually. Sorry, num- sorry, track number mm-hmm. seven. It's pretty skippable. Yeah. Skippable, yeah. It's a good adjective. Yeah, skippable. Yeah, I'd agree. I would agree with that. It is skippable. I think it, I put it in, uh, I think Will mentioned it, in the Golden Trunks territory of like, it's not a standout track, but similar to that, it tries to, like, it's something different, right? So again, like, if you're going to put a filler in, make it about a monster truck doing a front flip, I think, because it's better <laughs> than just being about, you know, going to the pub and having a few beers, for instance. So I, I don't have a great deal, to be fair, on this. And I do, it passes me by a bit. It's only now where you've asked me to specifically comment on this that I've realised that I don't really have much to say about it, which I think says everything that I need to say at the same time. Because <laughs> normally yeah. I've, yeah. I've analysed each of these tracks to the nth degree where I could do a thesis, but I don't really have a great deal here. So I think it's a bit of a skipper for me. Yeah, so we move on to science fiction. Um, I'll kind of open up here. I think this one conjures up, again, there's such strong imagery on this album, particularly in the music itself. And this is such a creepy kind of track, I think. I just think of like a, a hooded figure at the piano 
playing like a Dracula. <laughs> um, it's almost just over the top comical. You know, it might maybe it does go too far. But having said that, um, I think when it goes into the got the world on a wire, it pulls it back a bit. I think that's a really nice bit of the song. But it also drags out like, the last forty seconds. I'm I'm a bit like sort of just whine into a, a a finish. I definitely think it to your point. It's got the ghost train vibe to it, which like risks being a bit too over at times. But I don't mind it. I think some of the lyrics are really curious and quite introspective as well. Like um, there's the piece around, um, I want to make a simple point about peace and love, but in a sexy way where it's not obvious. And it's almost like amongst all of this crazy shit that he's also been talking about, that's almost a bit of like a self-reflection of it, I think as well, which is like, we spoke a bit about he had writer's block, like leading into this as well. And I think that there's a bit of vulnerability in there as well. Like to actually be, I think there he's addressing his own writing, which is really unusual for him to do. Um, but I find it quite interesting and quite vulnerable. And that's where I think like, you get a bit of this. This is one of the tracks where I think you get that sense of it being about him. Like a lot of the analysis has been that like, this is very much like a first person, one point perspective, if you will. And uh, I think <laughs> that this, um, this track plays into that a little bit. I, I quite like this track to be honest. I think it's, uh, it's quite solid for me. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was my least favourite to begin with. Um, absolutely, I would have categorically said, yeah, it's my... I think I did a ranking for The Independent and this was low down. I would rework that ranking now and it would be further up. Um, I think it's a curio and it, it intrigues me. Um, and I kind of go back to it more than other songs I prefer to it because I do think there's more for me to unlock with it. Um, maybe there's not and I never will but it, 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 it inspires me to want to do so. And I mean, I love, I'm a big fan, The World on a Wire, that's inspired by the reign of Werner Fassbinder, the, the director uh, film that he made in the, I think it was the 70s. And I love that director. So when he like explicitly like kind of name checks a film mm. um, that, that I'm a fan of, I was like, oh, that's pretty sick. Um, and any song that fits quantitative easing in. Um, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it and it inspired my, my brother formed a band called Disco Lizards based on the lyric. <laughs> so so nice. science fiction can, can you know can lay lay a claim that it's kind of inspired another band. But yeah, I, it, it's odd. Maybe if we if we do like a ten year retrospective, Mad Sound <laughs> it'll be even further up my list. <laughs> I think this I think this song musically I, I don't think it's anything special but it, there is a lot to peer into here i think it's another i think it's another rambling on turner's view of the world there's a lot there's a lot of um there's a lot of political meaning behind it you know like quantitative easing um but there's a lot of things he, he puts in this song i think that, that like the rise of the machines the, like the third line i think there's a lot of as there's a lot of Turner's view on the world. And I think like Steve's right with it is like a one point perspective. It's a first person shooter kind of view of his view of the world. If you compare it to its uh, predecessor and we're going to come on to its successor on the album in a minute, it's, it's certainly not in like the bargain basement of the album or anything like that. It's got a bit of caliber, I think lyrically. It's funny because I was saying earlier, this was one of the ones that stood out to me initially. I'm not really sure why. It just seemed like it had a good kind of groove and like hooked me a little bit. And then over time, I started to appreciate the other tracks more. And then this yeah. one kind of went down on my list. Um, but it does have some really good lyrics. Again, it's kind of self-aware. I like the kind of lyrics at the end where he's talking about writing songs and he's like, but I have a feeling the whole thing may well just 
end up too clever for its own good. I feel like that's kind of like really like introspective of himself, like really self-aware and kind of meta that he knows that some of this is like kind of silly, but he's doing it anyway. Right. Let's move on to She Looks Like Fun. I love this song, honestly. I know it's kind of a divisive one, but um, I don't know. You know, one interesting thing about this whole record is like, it's Alex kind of for the first time addressing a lot of like modern life, technology and politics and stuff, which he's never really been interested in before. It's always been kind of like love songs or like introspective stuff or like his own whatever. And this is kind of the first one that he like really got into like, what is like the world around me doing? But he kind of approaches it like maybe my grandpa would approach it. Like he's never actually seen the internet before and suddenly is like, oh, what is Twitter? Um, but I don't know. I think it's really funny musically. And um, I know it's, yeah, like it has some really silly lyrics in it that I feel like got a lot of attention, like Good Morning Cheeseburger. But uh, I don't know. I always like listening to it. I always kind of forget that it's on the track list. And then when it comes up, I'm like, yeah, let's do it. You know, <laughs> I feel like this one, he, he just needs Miles Kane by his side. Right. <laughs> it honestly feels like a Last Shadow Puppet song. To me. It really um, does. I, mean, I I love it as well. I think it's really good. And I think it's really, it's like self-critiquing. Like Katie said, he, he, I think he is an old soul trapped in a, in a young body. And I think he's like self-critiquing what he's like on Night Town and things and like how he should be acting as opposed to how he wants to act. Um, and I think the line dance if somebody's watching because they are. Because they are. Is, is that like referencing the time he was dancing at the Strokes gig uh, and he was like, then it just went you know, around the internet like wildfire. Um, I think he, it, this is where he starts becoming very self-reflective and I think this continues into the ultra cheese. Um, but I also like when he, cause I didn't like it at first when he started like bellowing out random words and terms. Um, I found that quite pretentious. And I, I, I kind of got in the spirit of it, but I was like, I don't know what it means. But like, I think I, I, in the same pitch for Quincy Osborne mentioned before, I think he was talking about how it's like, He's like reading and watching something and then he's just on his phone and he just sees different things and it's like flip, you know, flitting through Twitter and he's, it's just this overload of random information um, kind of like dis distracting him. And as someone who kind of is a bit distracted by my phone a lot, I can kind of see the, 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 you know, the, the reasoning behind the idea. Um, not my, not why I love the song, but it helps me understand it a bit more. I, I love what you said, Katie, about it being a bit like your grandpa. And I think that when you think about Alex, it's kind of befitting everything that he stands for. He is like an observationalist, isn't he? And I think yeah. that one critique you could give is that you would want him to go in like harder on his assessment of these things, right? So when he talks about like the internet or politics, I don't think in any of these themes, he goes in and he puts a stake in the ground and says, this is where I am and this is what I believe. And he's kind of going to die on that hill. He approaches all of them with a bit, okay, this is kind of what I think it is, but I think I'm also maybe a part of it as well. So I can't really like die on that hill because- right, But like, also a little removed, right? Yeah, so he kind of approaches them all almost with this kind of like confusion and abstract nature. And I think that that is really also what he is about as well, like as an individual, like as much as like we've forever fawned over his lyrics, I don't think he's ever been about saying, this is the reality and this is what the message I want to send out. It's never been that with him. It's always been trying to navigate what the world looks like through his own lens. And I think this song is a perfect, is a perfect summary of that. That's exactly what he's doing. Like I remember reading it and thinking, I'm sorry, listening to it and first feeling like I wanted 
him to be a bit more I felt like he scratched the surface a lot with a lot of things and almost like craving a little bit more in the way of like a bit more of a firmer position but I think you also have to accept that that isn't what Alex Turner is and I don't think it he ever really has been that and this song is an epitome of that really you saw into the future of this song like that no one's on the streets we've moved it all online like that's oh my god i know scary. i listened to that recently and was like scarily accurate he's predicted as of COVID. march you know i just i love yeah um, as, 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 of as, of, as of march yeah as well it's just freaky like it's almost <laughs> it's almost like visionary I, like with this song i i really love the idea behind it and like i think you can actually like draw a conclusion from how again turner looks at the world um uh, but i I don't know. I think the, the start sounds a bit like a pantomime. Just that sort of like, it sounds like the villains sort of like stomping onto the stage. So I'm doing like the claws on the screen now. It doesn't really work for a podcast, does it? But um, like, you know, it, like, it sort of feels like a villain's like, or a monster's like creeping up behind the song and just like stomping its feet along. I just, I, I when I look at the, the lyrics, I, I just love it. Like it makes so much sense of how the world looks today. In terms of like rankings within other songs, I'm not sure where to put it. I think it's one that jumps quite a lot for me. Definitely didn't like it when I first heard the album. Then I go to it and I see the meaning a bit more. It's just, it's one that jumps from maybe eight to maybe five, sort of one of them, but never really breaks the top barrier. But there's definitely a lot to draw from it culturally. The um the the after he says the uh, dance if somebody's watching because they are the 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 guitar bit there is yeah. like is like McCartney like. Abbey Road era McCartney. I hate to keep thinking about the Beatles. Yeah, you're right. I, yeah, I do yeah, love yeah. That guitar, it, yeah. Yeah. It is yeah. like it is like that. listening to the Beatles song. It's like um, yeah. and that's like, you know, no small praise. It's, but it's also interesting you said that it's Mark where's Miles came for this song because I think we always said we always had this joke that it was like the She Does the Woods of Arctic Monkey songs, basically. They're quite similar, yeah. they're quite interchangeable. Yeah. She looks or like the, only the truth. She does the woods. Yeah, or yeah. or you can even add only the truth like they're all yeah. <laughs> it's the, it's so it's the alex the alex turner tandem of uh of songs <laughs> i mean there's going to be a lot of crossover when you've written this many songs right yeah it's but, cameron yeah, avery doing those vocals on the the chorus uh, yeah right we move on to i think one of my favorite songs and i think all one of all of our favorite songs on this album and de- i'll defend my earlier point i think that the second half of the album is is not as strong as the first but I think this is the exception. This is an amazing song. Um, I think Alex vocally just goes for it as well. You know, he really attacks that vocal. And I think it's a fantastic chorus as well. Um, so, uh, Jacob, why? I know you love this song. Uh, what, 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 what is it you love about it? It's funny. I didn't love it at first as much as I do now. I mean, it, it, it really just one day unlocked. This is like the prime example. I was in a car with my brother on, on our way to a wedding and he, we blasted it out and this is the one that landed. Um, I think it is, as you say, just like attacking that vocal is a great way to put it because he goes for it. He doesn't just write a brilliant song. He, he, just, he just goes for it with this one and it, it's, like, he, it's like he's careening his way through it carefully and like the whole, the, the careful consideration with which he's decided to sing the song, which sounds such a, like such a wanky comment, but it's actually, it's there's such a musicality and art to it and i think not anyone could sing backbone um and do it half as well as alex like if someone else had written it it would it, it probably wouldn't have been as interesting to listen back to or sing along to because it's um because of his delivery and he's trying something he's not really done before with it i think 
and even he's kind of there's a kind of a feeling with it of like I'm just going to go with this and maybe it will work maybe it won't and it, it, it absolutely pays off and again it's like throwing out I mean in the end when he's throwing out lyrics about pink flamingos and what killer pink flamingos it's just it's so ridiculous but it works within the context of the album like it just works this song is a is, is absolute gold dust yeah I, lo- I love this song it's one of my favorite um my favorite lines on the whole album is how I told you about that time that I got sucked into a hole through a handheld device, which mm. is just like explains where we are today with society and how much we rely on information. He touches on it throughout the album, but I think that is the most plainly he puts it at any point in the album. Um, and there's, it's, um, it's quite packed lyrically. Like if you look at, she looks like fun, there's the chorus like four times and there's like cheeseburger and snowboarding and stuff like that. But this is quite a, a lyrically, this is quite a packed song. There's a lot of, tip that there's a lot of um there's a lot of jumbling up and there's a lot of words to say but i think it goes to one where turner doesn't really implement like a proper chorus or a proper catchy jingle again like and i that's why it, it goes to me but yeah i not, not a beginning i didn't really didn't really take to it but i love it i really i love this song it's beautiful mm. it's the vocal delivery it's, i don't think i've heard him maybe sweet dreams tennessee is the only other track where i think you really feel like he can go for it to this extent but um, I mean, he properly goes for it, and it's uh, it's pretty amazing. It's one of the things that like just stood out to me, which I love, is like he creates that imagery also by talking in unbelievably normal terms as well. So like when he wants to make the point of like, oh, I know it's you when you're coming, he says, "I've recognised the glow of your low beams numerous times through fairly opaque blinds in the sitting room." Vehicles will pass by, but I know when it's you. Is a ridiculous like conjures That's up such imagery one of, my, of someone yeah, being one of my favorite. And it's like yeah, the most so basic good. thing he's saying. He's literally saying like, "I know when you're driving past the window." And it's like <laughs> the use of like fairly opaque blinds. It's like so <laughs> detailed and yet so basic at the same time and I love that I think that's something that he does so well and like, I don't think many others do that like to illustrate a point like that in, in such a um yeah in that level of depth that's always really stuck with me it's like you really feel like you're in that living room at that moment don't you I think it's the use of fairly opaque blinds it's like that is how you would just describe them isn't it to someone I love that I think those are my favorite lyrics from this song too it's just like he's always had this way to be able to like take very simple ideas and just make them so poetic and so kind of like, yeah. I think my favorite Alex Turner is when he's pining a little bit after somebody, you know, and he, that's definitely, there's not a lot of that on this record, but that's like one of those moments where he's like, I still know when it's you. I have a lot of love for the Vengeance trilogy wallpapered walls as well, because it, <laughs> he, he, just, he just clearly watched the Vengeance trilogy that, that week, doesn't he? And just like, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Should I have seen that, Jacob? Is that Vengeance is... Trilogy is good? I think uh, Old Boy is one of them, and that's obviously a well, it's a bleak watch actually. Oh, but no. good, yeah, very good. Jacob, as a as a you know as a film journalist, primarily, you know, when this album first came out and it was littered with the you know the and that film analysis and references. Sorry, did, was this just like your dream? Alex Turner has got like found a love of cinema and then written yeah. an album based on it. You worry that it, he's it's, it's going to come across as like film school wanker because um, yeah. it could very easily and like even like in all the prints and stuff and, and the the am covers and it's like and the video for our five is very like Stanley Kubrick uh, kind of influence yeah. with Bath, the shining carpets and stuff. Um, but then and, and that was one thing. But then when he goes on about like I think he watched um, 
like three films by the French director Jean-Pierre Melville. And I, I kind of spend my weekend watching films like that as well. So when, when he is kind of inspired by these things, he's throwing them in there. It is wankery, but I kind of like, as a film fan, I'm like, you know what? If you're going to do it, do it about good films like that. Yeah. <laughs> he, like us, he is inspired by what he loves and what he's watching or listening to or reading mm. at the time. He's just like us in that way. And like on, a, on one level, if I hadn't have watched the Melville film and then I read that he was inspired by them as like this, uh, like at a film lover, I'd be like, right, I'm going to go watch them right now. It's like my favourite TV show is Lost and I read every book that was ever featured in that show because I thought it would like unlock some clues Yeah. to the show. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sure there's lots of people out there who've like been introduced to film because of Alex Turner and Tranquility Base. I bet. I bet there is. Um, now, so Batfunk, universally loved by us all. Uh, the Ultra Cheese, I'm going to say, isn't because because I don't love it. And I, I'm not going to be the first person to start talking about it because it's probably uh, not right but based on the fact that I controversially don't like it particularly. But I'll come to that. So someone that does absolutely love it, do they want to give me their love letter to it? I love it. I think it's great. It's so, like, poignant and nostalgic. And it's, it. I don't know, I'm also, like, the same age as Alex Turner. So I feel like I, I have these same kind of feelings as his, like, I still have pictures on friends of friends on the wall. I suppose we aren't really friends anymore. Like I have that. I have pictures of people I don't talk to anymore. Like it just seems very introspective and just kind of this little like nod to his past and stuff. And I don't know. And it's also, I think is like a perfect kind of closer to the record. Yeah. It's not like, it's not my top, but it's like, it's probably in the top five for me for sure. I think it's really like, I, I love it. And it's really understated for, for an album close, especially by, by the Arctic Monkeys. I think he puts his neck on the line a little bit of this song. Like he's, he was feeling obviously very nostalgic, like Katie said. But he, like, he kind of like hints at his, like, his anxieties and his, you know, like when, when you get a bit older and you're not living the, the, the party lifestyle like you once did and you have these fears of maybe, you know, you, you should be living that, but you didn't even really like it when you were living that. So you want to be comfortable and where you are now, but you can't be because... And I feel like he really kind of encapsulates that quite well. And I can imagine him. I don't know the, the story behind the, the, the songwriting process of the song, but I can just imagine he was probably having like quite an anxious evening, thinking about his past, and this was the product of it. And because of that, I kind of really, I kind of like want to embrace the song. And it is like kind of like that perfect kind of like end of night, shirt untucked, mic in hand, give no fucks kind of ballad, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I love that. Well. Like, I, I would definitely do this at karaoke at one point in the future. It it's like almost as if he's been away to this hotel, like looking above, looking down at the world from this like spaceship, and this is him sort of checking out of the hotel. This song, sort of like handing back the room key, sort of just mm. like walking out the lobby back to reality, back to the life he's always known, and it's just. I songs it makes you really sad to be honest because like Katie said that first line like pictures of friends on the wall it's just like all that time you spend building a rapport with people and listening to their stories and going for drinks with them you've got a hundred of those people now that you just don't really stay in contact with anymore so he's obviously feeling very nostalgic it feels like a song that he had the sort of meat and bones for but all it really was going to take for to put it into practice was like a, a couple of glasses of scotch and <laughs> once he's had them I think that he's gone and written it with a I bit don't, of I agree with you I think he's had a couple hasn't he and he's just, like, he's just <laughs> and he's just we've all done it we've just had a couple we've gone oh, I'm a bit sad here and I, and I think that's 
that's it. I just think it's I think it's a beautiful closer. I think it's the it's it's him, not pardon the pun, but like check checking out just completely. This is a sort of goodbye for now sort of way. I think it makes me feel a bit uneasy. This song, it's quite, it's. I think it's actually too sad for an Arctic Monkeys song for me. I, I, I think given that it's a closer, I, I guess time will be the test of this. But it makes me worried about like what comes next a little bit because it kind of reads like the last song that anyone's ever gonna write because it's basically <laughs> the most retrospective, like nostalgic. Uh, view of things and I think that when Arctic Monkeys have done sad in the past they can do sad with hope quite well as well like particularly a lot of like the love songs as well I think that they often provide a hope amidst the the sadness whereas there isn't really a great deal of that in this to be honest it is more like a statement of this is how things are like at the moment which I hope is just like a moment in time as opposed to like a summary of like where it's at as I said I think We'll see. I think um, I really like the last minute of the track. I think. It, yeah, I agree uh, with you there. I think room. that is its peak. But I have a massive caveat on this. So I really like okay. the last lyric, and I re- I really like the last part of the track, and I really love the closing lyrics as well. Like this um, closing line, like I've not I've never stopped loving you once. I think is a really like poignant and interesting end. I fucking hate that noise that he does afterwards, though, as that last little closer, <laughs> just really? the, like the woohoo <laughs> thing. <laughs> drives me nuts yeah i feel like that's the least alex Turner thing to do ever like for the close in the that album scotch on like speaking a, clearly yeah <laughs> on like a on a on a strange i don't know maybe that's just like a personal i never really got that and i always thought it was a bit of a disappointing I just, end i just think the whole song is 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 too cheesy <laughs> and, and i think it's deliberate obviously that's why that's why he's called it that it's it works in on many levels it's an obvious ballad and it's deliberately there at the end of this album. But I just think it's a bit too obvious. And I think musically as well, I don't think it goes for a closer, an Arctic Monkeys album closer compared to what we're used to, particularly with the first three albums, such complex album closers that the music goes and waves and flows in different ways. And, and this one, it's not quite to that to that standard for me um right so they did they did release one b-side which was annie anyways which i nearly said in the irish accent i always say it in anyways because of that podcast um so yeah this could have this could have fitted on the album couldn't it could it have replaced golden trunks for uk but like what yeah it could have for me but also kind of like where would it go because it's it would almost be like a closer and ultra cheese is already a closer yeah, I don't. I don't yeah. really know if it would. I, I think that it's appropriate as a B side, as opposed to like Humbug, where I thought easily you could have switched out a couple of them and they would have worked in the track list. Like, it seems like a proper B side. I think anyway. Anyways, doesn't feel like a B side though. It feels like a song that just missed out on the album, and then it just happens to be a B side because of that, rather than you know when they experiment on a B side and they try and you know play with it a bit. I think this just feels like oh, it it was nearly going to be on the album and then they didn't put it on. There's definitely a lot more of that kind of like, um, like a lot of this record, you just feel like, like we were saying earlier, it's just him kind of throwing out phrases that he thinks are funny or interesting, like philanthropic toga party. Like, did that really need to exist anywhere? But he thought (laughs) so, you know? (laughs) I'm happy it was left off the album. This is my, this is one of my least favorite Arctic Monkeys B-sides actually. Really? Um, Yeah. I just, I've never really had my moment with it, which is, 
and not really been in, in, enthused about trying, um, which is like really rare. I'm, I, I kind of like stand by, I, like, I kind of like defend any Arctic Monkey song, but this one I, I would struggle to really. I, I think it's, it's a bit too sprawling um, to work for the album because I think even the failures are quite refined and to the point. Um, but this one is kind of not in keeping with that. So yeah, I'm 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 not the biggest fan of this one. I hate to end it on a on a on a, on a critical <laughs> note. Does anyone want to give a massive praise to anyways, Steve or Will? Uh, I, like, I really like the album cover because it's Al- Alex Turner doing the hoovering. Uh, that's all I got to say. <laughs> the album cover is great. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Sorry. I think it's fine. I think it's fine. Like I, I would kind of echo. I don't know where it would go on the album necessarily. I think I might be wrong on this, but I think it was recorded separately from the album sessions as well. Someone Mm. please call in and tell me if that's incorrect. And to me, that sort of, um, I'm pretty sure that's true. And I think if so, it kind of is also says a lot about like what it is as well, which I think honestly is we need to make a B side because we need to put a single out. Like it's kind (laughs) of then what it becomes. And therefore that's why I don't think it probably does have much of a place on the album because it was never, part of that process either mm. um it's just weird them only doing one isn't it it feels so strange like yeah. it feels like it probably was a case of like you do need to have one like i would imagine is is kind of how Which it is came a shame, though that they then didn't think let's do something a bit different because they did sort of they kept the, it's, it feels part of the album theme and everything doesn't it i would quite yeah. like to have just heard uh, a, a real like departure or just maybe something we had as we've heard before but well we'll have to wait a, f- a few more years maybe for for a new style of music from Arctic monkeys so let's move on to just how this album went down i think that a lot of people also were drawn to it a little bit regardless of the music to be honest but more for what it stood for in the sense that a topic that's been a big discussion recently is the idea of indie landfill which we've probably all seen mm-hmm. like the yeah. debate around this and the fact that ultimately it has become like indie landfill has become uncool. It has not been cool to associate yourself with the that period of um, music progression. I think in the UK, and I think that Arctic Monkeys like risk being still considered a part of that because they were very much around in that formative time. And I think a lot of people also, given how like. Um, uncool or unpopular that kind of genre of music has become take real joy in the sense that this is a band who managed to escape that and then create something which is completely new and different i think that i think a lot of people that was really where they were coming from which was not so much just this is a truly amazing album but also this is someone who's really been able to evolve and i think that as jacob rightly put the majority of people and fans knew that all along and didn't need this album to be convinced of that. But I think for people who kind of put them in that bucket of, oh yeah, they're that indie band from like the noughties, this was their moment of realisation, which I think fans had before, but I think it was more of a yeah, public public display of that. What do we, what do we think the band think of this album? Um, how do we think that the rest of the band, I mean, they obviously respected Alex Turner enough to go with a record that was potentially going to be a solo record and they said yeah we're going to go with this but do you think that there was like a an agreement that they'll they'll evolve the sound and change it again completely for the next record or was there even that kind of agreement would that have even been reached do you think would, would they have just well, I mean happy? their set list sure didn't reflect that you know being like 
hardly any of their live shows on this tour only had usually a few of these songs from it and they were mostly all am so i would be interested to see during their next couple tours you know hopefully um if like any of these songs really stand the test of time you know yeah I, I, that's I really interesting that's really interesting actually when you look at a future arctic monkey set list like what are they what are they going to keep what are they going to play on an album yeah. tour, you get away with anything you can, you can get away with anything from four up to maybe eight nine tracks on like a proper album tour but yeah for the next one you can't you can't see a couple of the you can't see a quite a fair few of these songs actually being I, like included in the conversation i think you'll only get four out of five yeah and it may yeah and maybe you one might, other maybe star treatment or yeah, maybe star base treatment. is like a is a rotating or out but aside of that i'd be amazed if i mean by, by the end of this tour it was getting close to that i think that, it wasn't that, too far off that's the only shame with Arts and Monkeys bringing out new music is it just kicks a cut. It's like a, I don't know, it's like a cliff, and there are a few songs lingering on that edge that when you next go to see them, you'll you'll you will walk out and go, wow, great gig. Why? But why didn't they play that? And then you forget, oh, they brought out another album. Of course they are. They have to like keep bumping stuff, bumping yeah. stuff, like doing a bit of jigsaw with a set list, which is the only shame. But you know, it's it's just a show of quality, really, isn't it? Jacob, mm-hmm. is that the significance of this album? And I know you absolutely adore this album, and we all do too. But is it the fact that it's in its own, it's its own concept? They're yeah. not going to go and play all these songs for the end of the time. We're going to probably get, next time we see them see all the other all mashed together with a few of this. But this on its own is just this wonderful piece of work that we can appreciate and dissect separately. You know how there are like albums now that we like, you know, you don't have to, but you should have listened to if you're like into music and we go out of our way to listen. Like you said, Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys and, and, and you know, like Velvet Underground albums. And you just kind of go out of your way to listen to them because you, you we're told they're progressive, great albums. I think this is the first Arctic Monkeys album that will find its, its way onto that list since the first one. And I think the first one's there because it's like, uh, well, we all know why. It's just like kind of changed, led the indie revolution and changed the face of British music. But this one just bleeds over into something else completely. Um, And I I hasten to call it a concept jam because it is, but it also isn't. Um, But I think it just stands on its own as a piece of work from an ever-changing band and I do think it would actually, if the Octomics hadn't even made this album, and say say someone else had made this exact album, it would kind of like be heralded and, and praised as such. Because I think the music is so fucking strong. Everything is so strong about it. Even if even if it's their own work. What does it What does it mean to you? I think it is further as a fan. It's further validation of the amazing ability to evolve. Like we spoke about this with Humbug, which was the earlier days of this happening. And this was just, I think we got to the point even before this album, that's what we were almost craving. Give me, Jacob spoke about this, give me something that's going to challenge me, give me something that's different. And it comes in and it completely delivers on that. And it's just more kind of um, reason to say, yeah, like this is, this is a band who will just constantly push the horizons. And that, to me in terms of if you're asking very personally what it means to me means more or means as much as the music itself like I don't necessarily look at it always and think oh well this track that track you look at it as like oh yeah that's when they waited five years and then released that absolute like abstract thing that happened there and it was all part of that journey like 
you know, I think we as massive fans, you need to talk about the lineage of Arctic Monkeys is the most important thing because it is all one big story from start to finish. And this album for me is just a, a part of that that really takes them to the next level. The one thing I would say, just to give a counterbalance to that, is it, I mentioned this earlier. It is the album that, to me, I think I feel the least um, affinity with like the band or, or the four individuals of the band like if you were, like if i was being really honest i think it possibly should have been a solo album because of most of the reasons that we've already said i think it would have stood up as a solo album and i don't think i'd have had a problem with that either that doesn't mean it's not an amazing arctic monkeys album it is and i love it but i think for me it's the one that i feel i have a slightly less connection with with the band themselves for me personally, I found it really inspiring just because I think the lyricism is so impressive and I think it's really a, a you know, accumulation of so many years of songwriting um, and just so many like interesting things he decided to do, but really like the lyrics stand out to me the most with this one, like kind of going back to that humbug vibe of like so much kind of like poetry that's been placed into into these songs. But But I do agree that like from an Arctic Monkeys perspective, like it almost feels very separate from the rest of their discography, which shows me a little bit. And honestly, it's not one that I've revisited a lot in the last year or so since it came out. Um, it was kind of nice revisiting it recently, but you know, I just love Alex Turner as a songwriter so much and it just kind of sets up this like, I don't know, interesting concept of what's he gonna do next. And that is a lovely place to end. Guys, thank you so much for joining thank you. on the Jacoby Base Hotel and Casino podcast. That was Will Sparks. Um, Jacob Stolworthy, Stephen Pry, KTHF. Thanks very much. Cheers, guys.